So I have some questions for you. And I have answers for you. That's what I told Leslie. You have questions, I've got answers. More answers than you than you want. So my podcast is called uh, Tell Me What's Up. Tell Me What's Up. Tell Me What's Up. And that the is, reason I call it Tell Me What's Up is mainly because um, I, didn't, I couldn't figure out a name for it. There and, you go. you know, how you talk to friends, you, what do you say? Yeah, you what's say, up? what's up? Yeah. So what's, tell me what's up. What's and going on? What's happening? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. What's and going on here? Let's see, I can just wing it. All righty, here we are in San Diego, California. I want to, uh, dang it, see? <laughs> I'm already messing up. Welcome, everybody, to the Tell Me What's Up podcast, a podcast where we ask uh, friends and, um, see. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Just relax. Just relax. And, and you can always cut the ums out later I wanna, if, I if you so take, desire. I, want, I don't even want to say um. Okay. That's the thing. Yeah. With me today, I have Floyd Norman, who is my grandfather. Floyd Norman is a American animator, writer, and comic book artist. Is that correct? So they say. So they say. You've been working for... <laughs> so I've been told. The first African-American to work for Walt Disney since 1954? Uh, 1956. 1956. I always get six and four confused. Well, it was back in the 50s. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Either way, it's a a long time. It's a long time. Yeah, it is. Long time ago. You know, uh, for everybody who has not heard of Floyd Norman, I highly suggest you go to your Netflix right now and look up the movie Floyd Norman and Animated Life. And that's by director Michael Fiore. Michael Fiore. And, and, and Eric, Eric Shaw. Eric, 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 Eric Sharkey. Sharkey. Eric Sharkey. Michael, Sharkey? Yeah, Sharkey. Oh, okay. As in Shark. As in Shark. Yeah. Well, I don't really want to like get into the whole who you are and everything because, you know, yeah, every who, podcast. Who am I? Yeah. yeah. Every, well, every <laughs> podcast you've done and, you know, Google can answer that question pretty yeah. much for us. Right. What I really want to do is, you know, we have you have fans everywhere. So and, they say. And uh, <laughs> our friend Jeff calls them foamers. Foamers. And they always have questions for you. Passionate fans. Very yeah. passionate friends. Yeah. Fans, because so, I live in Arizona, yeah. they are always asking me, when's your grandfather going to come out? Or when yeah. are we going to go to Disneyland with him? <laughs> Everybody wants to go to Disneyland Everyone, with me. Hey, yeah. you're famous. You know, everyone's a big fan. You're they famous. want to go to the Walt Disney Studio with me as well. That's a big thing. And some lucky people are going to do just that. But that's another story. You do drawings for that, right? Uh, well, yeah. It's often given as a prize. And uh, the prize winner, or let's say somebody uh, donates money for a worthy cause. And then they get to floiter with Floyd. And that is, they spend a few hours with me at the Walt Disney Studios, as we uh, explore the studio and uh, and I tell them all about Disney history. So it's kind of a fun tour. It's sort of a studio tour with a lot of history attached, and we uh, tour the famous an- animation building, uh, the studio backlot, and some of the buildings, mm-hmm. and talk about the amazing films that were made at the Walt Disney Studio. Even the ones long before I got there, back in the 1930s, 40s, uh, 50s when I arrived. But the studio has a rich and a varied history. And so I share that with visitors. 
Right. And you can definitely tell when you when you go there, it's it's you know the buildings are still the same. They look exactly the same. That's what's so amazing about the Walt Disney Studio is that it hasn't changed all that much. Now there have been additional uh, buildings built. There's been new construction over the years. But the basic studio lot still looks very much the way it did when the studio opened in the early 1940s. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty amazing. When you look at some of the early photographs and look at the studio today, it truly looks pretty much the same. All right. So before we get to the questions, we're currently in San Diego, California at Comic-Con, Comic-Con yes. 50. Yes, we are. 50 years of Comic-Con, right? 50 years of uh, the San Diego Con, yeah. It's yeah. kind of hard to believe all these years have gone by so quickly. You've been coming here for how long? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I, I uh, This morning we spoke about that, and uh, I said I'd been coming here since the Con was held at the El Cortez Hotel in downtown San Diego. Now, that's got to be um, nearly 50 years ago, you know, by itself, that's that's a long time ago. That was so long ago, you could actually park your car on the street. You can't do that anymore. Can't you? You have been able to do that for uh, for years. Right. You know, street parking is unheard of today. There's no place to park your car. <laughs> so this year is actually pretty special because you're doing a special uh, panel tomorrow, right? Well, it's not all that special. I'm going to be talking. Uh, a little bit about my career. Uh, another aspect of my career, one that I haven't spoken about that often, and that is all the work that I've done outside of the Walt Disney Studio. Mm -hmm. I spent many years working at Disney, and usually that's what people hear from me. But uh, tomorrow I'll be speaking about other aspects of my career, and that is all the work I've done outside the Walt Disney and Studio. And can you give, give us a a couple of examples of what you've done after your career. Well, the uh, talk is entitled uh, Life After Disney. And uh, one of the stories I detailed in this talk is when I left the Disney studio in 1966, after Walt Disney's passing, uh, my colleagues and I actually launched our own studio. Now, imagine that. Back in the 1960s, we launched an African-American motion picture production studio. Right. That was insane. Unheard of. Yeah. Unheard of. Insane. Yeah. But we did it anyway because we were young men. We were ambitious and, and maybe a bit naive because we didn't consider what we were getting ourselves into. The movie business all by itself for anybody is a tough business. Very tough. So here we were, uh, young black men, having the audacity to launch our own studio in Hollywood. And uh, we did it. You did, you we did, did a it. good job, though. You did. I mean, I love the, um, what was it, in the movie, Flo Norman's Anime Life, the right. part where you went down to L.A. to film the riots. And you're talking about how they would stop. <laughs> yeah. Stop what they're doing. They'll stop rioting for a second before you can change the, the film and the camera. Right, that was back in the olden days when we actually had film cameras. You know, you actually had to change the film magazine in your motion picture camera. And when we were filming the Watts Riot back in 1965, the rioters who were busily burning down Los Angeles, 
because they knew they were being filmed by us, and I think they, uh, I think they took a special pride in knowing that uh, the mainstream media was not present on the streets of Watts. They knew that black cinematographers were filming the Watts riot, so they would actually wait for us to reload our cameras before they would uh, burn down another building. That, that, it's kind yeah. of bizarre when you think about it, but that's that's exactly what happened back in nineteen. 19- they wanted to let everyone know what was going on, so they yeah they yeah. waited for you. Yeah, they, they they wanted this to be recorded because history was being made in Los Angeles. That's right. Yeah, and you're, so we're doing that that tomorrow. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. That that that'll be one of the things we'll be or I'll be right. speaking about tomorrow. Are you working on anything currently? Yes, I am. Uh, I am just finishing up a uh, short project for Sesame Street. Um, I worked on the original Sesame Street back in the 1960s. That's a long time ago. Way before uh, my time. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of kids grew up on Sesame Street, and it was a very popular television program on PBS, PBS television, providing uh, not just entertainment, but education for children that's right so now i have some questions for you from our friend my friend gina from uh from arizona she actually she's coming down uh to see you again for d23 very good d23 when is d23 that is yeah i don't know the exact date i do know it's next month so it's only weeks away oh okay august 23rd august 23rd there we go in anaheim in Anaheim, yes, at the Anaheim Convention Center, uh, nearby. Right across from Disneyland. From Disneyland. That's right. From Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. So she has a couple questions for you, or she has a sure. ho- actually a whole list. I don't know if we get <laughs> she, through the whole list. Uh, many, many she, questions. She texted me the, these questions, and I said, "Okay, these are this is a lot." And she goes, "Hey, I know my I did my research, and I know your grandfather." So <laughs> okay. here's question number one. Uh, you have been an animator, film company owner, and screen, uh, screenwriter and publisher, uh, published author. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. There is there something you have never done and would like to do? Oh, I think there's probably a lot of things I've never done and would like to do. Um, good heavens, I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> uh, I think I've been fortunate in that I've been able to do many of the things I wanted to do when I was a child. So I honestly think I've been luckier than most people because most people never realize their dream. The things they dream about as children, they never get to do as adults. So in my case, so many of the things that I wanted to do, to write, to create music, to make movies, to develop television shows... Uh, to work with famous people, famous movie stars and, and film actors. I mean, good heavens, uh, it's a long list of things that I used to dream about as a kid. And so many of those things I was lucky enough to do. Now, there are always those things you didn't do and you would like to do, but for one reason or another, never got around to it. Right. For instance, I've always wanted to direct a feature film. I've never done that but I would sure love to do it. So that's one of the things that uh, it just didn't come my way. Now, that's not a bad thing because, after all, you can't have everything. So even though I've never directed a feature film, um, 
that's one of the things I would have loved to have done. Do you have some movies to pitch, you know, that you can, you know, get started and maybe make <laughs> that feature film? You know, the hardest part about making movies is not so much making the film, but selling the film. Selling the film to the, selling the big the wigs, film, right? Yeah, to the, to, the, to the big money guys who make it happen. Film doesn't happen without money. Motion pictures cost money to make, and often they cost a lot of money. Yeah, they're not cheap. They're not cheap. So I, I often tell people who are working on a film project, they're writing a screenplay or they're working on a, on a film, and I said, you know, finishing your screenplay is great, but then you still have to sell your movie, and that's when the, the work really that's begins. That's the real work right That's there. the real work, yeah. The easy part is you're following your passion to create yeah. it, Oh yeah, and then but that's only half the right. job. That's only half the job. Yeah. <laughs> that's only half. And, yeah. But that's pretty cool that you've. Uh, I tell everyone, and I tell especially when I talk to my friend Jeremiah, mm-hmm. because we're and my brother, uh, we're at that age where we're trying to find what we want to do. Yeah, and uh, maybe we don't know. Like some of us don't know what we want to do. Yeah, as a career, where you you grew up watching Walt Disney, and you you I remember. Um, you even talk about it like, hey, uh, your dad pointed at the Disney studio and said, that's the Mickey factory. Yes, he did. Talk he, about that. and He did like, just that. Yeah, we were driving past the Walt Disney studio uh, when I was still a little kid. And uh, I didn't know where I was. We were in Burbank. And I had no idea where Burbank was. But we happened to be driving down Alameda Avenue. And my father said, look over there. That's the Mickey Mouse factory. The Mickey Mouse factory. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. where so they make talk- all those cartoons. Yeah, so we talk about that all the time, like, hey, we need to find our passion and what we want to do. Yeah. And uh, how you're one of the lucky ones who knew what you wanted to do I was. pretty much your whole life. And, I was, yeah. And then you pursued it, and here you are at, what, what do you know, 86? Uh, 85? Did I go too far? I'm only 84. So oh, 84. I'm still, I'm, I'm still very young. <laughs> still very young. Only 84 years of age. You've been doing yeah. it. Yeah, people... <laughs> When I talk about you, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, he's been working at Disney since the 1950s, and they're like, and I'm like, he still does. He's still alive. He's still, well, <laughs> they still good go, heavens, man. Go, he's really old, right? And they, I'm like, he still does stuff today. I mean, he's still working, still working. You know, he doesn't stop, and yeah. he's never. I don't think he's going to stop. He won't stop. So no, it ain't over till it's over, right? Okay, we have another question. It goes, you have said three things make a great project. Great ideas, collaboration, and personal passion. Which uh, project in your career were you most passionate about? Oh, good heavens. I think I'm passionate about everything I do. Whether it's a feature film that takes three years to complete, or whether it's a television commercial that takes uh, a month to uh, wrap up, or a segment for Sesame Street when I used to animate those little segments for Sesame Street that I could usually do in a week. Um, all different kinds of projects, but each one of them required, I think, the same degree of commitment mm-hmm. and passion. So when I work on a project, I devote my full attention to it. I love what I do, whether that project happens to be a huge multi-million dollar project or a little, short, quickie film. I'm just as passionate about the little film as I am about the big one. So, And I think that's important in life, that uh, the things that you commit to, the things that you want to do, 
you've got to give those things your complete attention and give it a total commitment because that's what we do as artists. We have to do our best work. And that's regardless of what that job happens to be. You know, the big paying job that's paying thousands of dollars or the little job that only pays a couple of hundred bucks. Uh, most artists are just as committed and just as passionate about the little jobs mm-hmm. as they are the big ones. There we go. Yeah. So we have another question that doesn't pertain. Well, you can say it pertains to animation because we all, you you know, music is a big part of uh making a story it is indeed um but uh they asked you said music is your hobby and that you've learned to play many instruments what is your favorite style of music and uh who's your favorite artist or band (laughs) well i grew up in the 1940s and 50s when big bands were in vogue uh not so much today that's that's uh Times have changed and the culture has changed. Um, I love the big bands. Probably many of the ones my parents loved, you know, bands like Glenn Miller and Benny Goodman. Young people have probably never even heard of these bands. I don't, I don't know them. <laughs> I can tell you that. In the 50s, we had, you know, guys like, you know, Les Brown and his band of renown, Harry James, Ray Anthony. We had Stan Kenton, who was a, a real musical pioneer. So that's the big band stuff. But I had a passion for music. Now, keep in mind, just because I learned to play a few musical instruments, that didn't mean I was a talented musician. (laughs) That just meant that I loved music, and I had a passion for music, and I learned to play musical instruments, and I studied music, learned to read music, simply because I loved music, not because I was going to be a professional musician one day, because I knew I didn't have the musical chops that was very clear. You have to know what you're good at, and I was certainly no stellar musician. I was okay, you know. I got by. I could play in the school band. Mm-hmm. Later on, I played in jazz bands uh, outside of school, but I knew I was no, uh, you know, musical prodigy. Would, but I, would but you, I still love music, though. Would you? What do you play? Like I know you. We had a saxophone when I was a kid. Oh yeah, in yeah. The, I played tenor. House. I played tenor saxophone, okay. and that was my primary instrument. When I wanted to play in a big band, uh, you were required to not only play your main instrument, which was the saxophone, but you had to play clarinet as well. Mm-hmm. So knowing this, I went out and immediately purchased a clarinet. Uh, took lessons and learned how to play the clarinet simply because I knew I had to do that in order to play in the big band. That's okay. okay. <laughs> it's okay. Eventually, I even learned to play a third instrument, and that was the flute. Because uh, when you played in the big band, uh, it was preferred that you play your main instrument, the saxophone. Mm-hmm. Uh, because after all, you're in the reed section. So if if you're in the reeds, you usually play saxophone, clarinet, and if you can, uh, the flute. So I began studying flute as well. A good deal more difficult to learn than the clarinet, but you know I gave it uh, I gave it my best try. But once again, like I said, I was not a great musician, but I played well enough to get by. Okay, so I think we have we can probably squeeze two more questions in here. You bet. Really quickly, uh, going back to animation, um, if you could have a chance to animate any character in the history of Disney animation, which character would you choose? What character would I choose to animate? 
there are so many Disney characters. You know, I can't even name them all. I mean, I've worked on films. People people will ask me, what is your favorite Disney character? And my mind reels. I said, I honestly can't even remember all the characters I've worked on. Uh, There are just so many, (laughs) and so many great characters, you know, over... And just in my career alone, which is, you know, some 50 or 60 years, I've worked on uh, so many things. And yet my career still doesn't cover all the Disney characters that came before me. All the ones that I didn't work on, all the characters in Pinocchio and Bambi and Dumbo and Fantasia. But you Um, have to pick one. I have to pick one. It could be the ones you haven't worked on, like, before your time, if you have to pick one. Well, I like a character that's fun and probably a character that I think I would choose. Besides Mickey Mouse. Would probably be, yeah, the other guy. The other guy. Donald Duck. Donald Duck. Uh, because I think Donald Duck is such a great character. He's uh, he's loud. He's, uh, you know, ill-tempered. He's irascible. Mm-hmm. He's full of energy because he's got so many issues. <laughs> and uh, Donald Duck was a favorite character of mine to write and a favorite character of mine to draw. There we go. So I think he would be a fun character to animate. So I think my choice would probably be, you know, that big Donald loud Donald. squawker, I always, Donald I Duck. I just say not Mickey Mouse because everyone knows it, the mouse. Everybody, everybody yeah. Everybody. Um, but the mouse is not easy to animate. He's tough. He's tough. <laughs> he's not easy. He's very, it's tough to animate a good Mickey. There you go. As a matter of fact, when Walt Disney well, that's, that's uh, did the Mickey Mouse Club right. back in the 50s, he had one of his top animators, Ollie mm-hmm. Johnson, animate Mickey Mouse because not everybody could do it and do it well. Well, that's like part of this, uh, the last question I'm going to ask. Sure. Um, you have also said your favorite character is Mickey. That's why I said Mickey oh, can yeah. be the one you pick, mainly for that reason. Right. Um, with with uh, 90 years of various Mickeys, do you have a favorite? like band leader, steamboat, etc., or do you prefer the classic Mickey? Well, you know, there were several iterations of Mickey Mouse, you know, from the early scrappy little Mickey in the black and white shorts to the Mickey in the um, early 40s, you know, uh, probably driven by the designs of Freddie Moore, mm-hmm. who's one of the finest Mickey animators. Uh, I think my favorite, looking at all the Mickeys, from the uh, 30s Mickeys, 40s, 50s, 60s Mickey to present day, I go back to the Mickey Mouse designed by Freddie Moore. Freddie Moore. Fred Moore was a very talented Disney animator, uh, sadly passed away uh, in his prime. You know, he he died uh, a young man. But his Mickeys had such life and charm and energy. Um, Those Mickeys were always my favorite. And those Mickeys were done probably late 40s, early 50s, uh, in a number of Mickey Mouse cartoons, and even some uh, feature films like uh, Fun and Fancy Free that uh, was a Disney uh, film that was made in the uh, late 40s, where Mickey Mouse had a a sequence in that film. So Mickey Mouse did did appear in a feature film, uh, even though it was one of the Disney anthologies. Uh, as opposed to a full-length feature film. But Mickey's still a great character. Yeah, absolutely. And when that character was driven by Fred Moore, uh, that was my favorite Mickey Mouse of all. 
There we go. Yeah. I know I said two more questions, but I think this one is very important question. Okay. That um, can anyone can you know. Well, I think we'll find inspiration. It's something I want to know myself and okay. the younger generation too. So, um, you have an amazing positive spirit and incredible work ethic. If you could share one message to the next generation, what would you tell them? Well, the important thing in life is to live your life to the full. And you're not going to do that if you're not passionate about something. Uh, I'm passionate about my work. I love my work. I love what I do. As a matter of fact, I don't even consider it work. And, you know, when you feel that way about what you do, it's not really work, you know. It becomes your love. It becomes your passion. And you want to do your best work, not just to earn a living. Not You can't negate that. That's very important. But the key thing is to contribute something, to give something, and to leave something behind when you're gone. So that's how I've regarded the work that I do. Uh, work ethic? Yeah, I think we all have to work hard, no matter what we do, whether we be a doctor, lawyer, whatever. Uh, you work hard in order to be your best. But you also work hard not just to rise to the top, to be the big shot on top. You work hard because you make a commitment and you want to be the very best at what you do because you respect it so much and you love it so much. I love what I do. I love my job. Uh, I'm passionate about my job. So the work part uh, it actually comes easy. I have a work ethic that I really don't have to work at because I love what I do. So going to work each day, it, it's something that I want to do. It's not a chore. It's not drudgery. It's my passion. And boy, if you can feel that way about your job, uh, you're going to have a rich and full life when you're not going off to a job that you hate or a job you just can't stand. If you're doing what you love, then you're living your life to the fullest. Well, there we go. Thank you very much, Grandpa. Uh, you're very welcome. For joining me on this podcast, you know, and it's great seeing you. Thank you, Andrew. You it's know. been my pleasure. Uh, an unexpected pleasure because we're doing this at San Diego right. <laughs> during the Comic Con. And I just yeah, I just pulled pulled out the podcasting gear and sat you down and And here know, we are. Here yeah. we are. We've got thirty minutes out the way. Yeah. Know, but I know you guys see how easy it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you guys have some uh other things to do today, so I'll let you go. But um again to everybody who's listening, go check out uh the movie on Netflix. Uh, Floyd Norman's and Animated Life. And you also have a couple books out as well. And the the book is the same name, isn't it? Well, there is a book called Animated Life there that I go. that I Animated wrote some Life. years ago. And then the my current book is for Disney is A Kiss Goodnight that I wrote with uh, Richard Sherman. The composer yeah. Richard Sherman. There we go. And yeah. my wife Adrian also contributed to that marvelous book. So <laughs> if I may call it marvelous because of my collaborators, uh, Adrian. And uh, Richard Sherman, mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a real fun project, and we really loved doing that book. It's but a beautiful once again, book. yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a nice book, and I think people enjoy it. But again, we do what we do because we love it. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, and um, we'll hopefully get you back on the podcast some other time. I will definitely come back because there's right. a lot more to talk about. There we go. 
All right. Thank you to everybody who's listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.